0: Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. Due to the coronavirus crisis, we're holding church services online until further notice, and we encourage you to join us. For info and updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Life SoCo and visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's an encouraging word. You know, I'm troubled by... uh, I mean, I'm actually really troubled that our, our, even inside the church, our language and our conversations, we can't seem to get on the same page. We're still discussing in 2020 whose life matters. We can't can't still be having that conversation. I'm embarrassed to think, what, 50 years from now, they're going to look back at the church and go, wait, you were were still confused. Let me try to clear up any confusion that we have as we discuss, like, which life matters. So, let me just say it as clear as I can. All black lives matter. All black lives matter. Every single one from the beginning to the end, the little, the big, the, the ones who have gone on before, the ones that are to come. Every single black life matters. You know Why? Because you were crafted in the image of God. You look like the creator. You, you sound like the creator. You're creative like the creator. Black man, you matter. Black woman of God, you matter. You matter to me. You matter to this church. You matter to our God. You matter. Church, let's put an end to debates or conversations. Just You, know, you, you can hear that phrase. And you know what you can say to it? Amen. Black lives matter. Amen. Say do our father loves us and our church should be leading the way to simply say if you feel like you don't matter oh the gospel's got good news for you you matter you matter if you're sitting at home right now black man you matter if you're riding in your car you're gonna hear this later this week you matter you matter here at New Life South Coast. You matter in Fall River. You matter in the Church of Jesus Christ. You matter to our God. You know, when, when we get confused on these issues sometimes, it's almost like we forget who God is. You know, the, the whole Old Testament comes out of a Jewish culture. So this whole section of, the, of, of this book is all about a Jewish culture. So there are times that I try to do some investigating to stay a little connected because I'm not a Jew. But where we come out of, the one I serve was Jewish. So I, I do want to understand. And so I found myself a while back in a, in a synagogue. And there's a small congregation. And, and apparently in this area, there's a, there's a shortage of rabbis. And so they had taken this rabbinical student who wasn't quite ready, but they... They said we just need you to start ministering. He was like a JV rabbi, but but they put him up in the varsity. And I heard him say at one point he was referencing God, and then he stopped and he said, "You know God, he, she, it, I, you know, whoever that is." And then he went on to talk, and I was like, "Wait, what, dude? You know your Old Testament, you know your Torah, right? This whole thing, and you're not sure?" Like he talked about him like it was this like vague distant entity, who really knows? And my heart broke for the man. Because I'm like, God has revealed to you who he is over and over and over again. But but to be fair to our Jewish brothers and sisters, in this part here, we see him as sovereign and huge and awesome and mighty and holy. But when Jesus breaks in on the scene, you know What he says, they say, how, how should we view God? He says, Oh, I'll tell you, this is how I talk to him, and I think you should talk to him just like this Our Father who art in heaven. And the Jewish people just went, Wait, 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 wait. your Father? No, that's Yahweh, that's Jehovah, isn't that your Father? Who do you think you are? In fact, when we write Yahweh, we don't even write the whole word. It's too holy. I I can't approach it like this. I write a Y, an H, a W, H, close enough, I'm out. Yahweh, Jehovah, maybe. Jesus, you calling him Father? You can see some of the Jewish people like, no, he didn't, know. The old rabbi, no, 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 no. And Jesus just, and then he has the audacity later to say, Fellas, ladies, here's what I want you to cry out to. Abba, Father. You know what Abba means? You know what an Abba is? A fantastic supergroup, disco 1970s. Yes, yes, they are. There's no debate. But Abba means not just Father, but Daddy. Daddy. And you don't call a lot of people daddy, right? It would be weird if you was in Market Basket and you slipped your debit card in, you got the thing, they said, have a nice day. You pulled it out and you're like, all right then, daddy. That'd be weird, right? That'd be crazy weird. It'd be even weirder if you went like this. And you look at them, just stare at them like you're trying to investigate. And they go like this, I'm not your daddy. And you answered like this, aren't you? Now that's going to freak them out right there. And they got a mask on and everything's weird now in that conversation, right? Daddy's way too intimate for the dude who's putting in your groceries to be like, all right then, daddy. Hey, I'm not your daddy. You know who is Jesus said, Your maker. He formed you out of dust. He knows you through and through and he digs you. Yes, he understands we're broken and flawed and, and weak. Or we're disabled by sin, which draws him even closer to us because a daddy sees a broken kid, and what do they want to do? Rescue, fix, provide, heal, care for, feed, nurture, nourish, hold on to, boost up, strengthen, coach, mentor, let's go and encourage. That's what our daddy's all about. And Jesus now has given us access to the father and we don't just have to come to the father and say oh yes I'm your slave and I'm your servant no Jesus says no 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 he's your daddy my oldest daughter when I was a youth pastor she came into the youth group in seventh grade and she said you know a lot of people call you a lot of things there's pastor pastor stretch Mr. Dean like well, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to call you but if it's all right with you I'll just keep calling you daddy And I said, all right with me. I am your daddy forever, baby girl. You call me daddy till you're old and gray. You call me daddy whenever you wish. And you know what happens to a father's ears when he hears daddy? Oh, it's different. It's different. You know, with a youth group, you, you bring it up. We'd heard them all on a couple school buses, get 150 kids, and we're going to go to the, 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 the Six Flags. We get out and all these kids are screaming, stretch, oh, stretch, oh, oh, pastor, pastor, stretch, and I hear it all. I can't respond to them all, you know, oh, stretch, stretch, I forgot my my sunscreen. Well, that's because you're stupid. Let's go. We got to go. We got to keep moving here. White boy, you know better than this. You're going to get fried. (laughs) Use your head. Come on, we got to go. But in the midst of the noise, I hear, daddy, I stop. Oh, hold up, guys. We're not in that big a hurry. What do you need, baby girl? Daddy. She says, I forgot my sunscreen. Oh, well, I got you. Good thinking. You're a genius. That's so smart to think that through. Good job. I'm so proud of this one right here. My pride, my joy. She don't even want the skin cancer. No, she does. She's so smart, 12 years old. And she just, your daddy's got you, baby girl. It's different. And that's what Jesus is saying the whole second half of this book is what my Jewish friends don't know. It's not my Bible, so I don't care. What my Jewish friends didn't understand and what they haven't quite gotten just yet, I'm praying for revival there too. Because when a Jewish believer becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, yo, it's like on steroids. They go nuts because they really understand. But it's Jesus who said, no, this is not some vague unapproachable I wonder what he's like type of entity no he's our daddy our papa our father and he's amazing at the job you know when we start talking a little about definitions of God when we speak of God our words have power they have meaning they they indicate a little of what we what we know in our hearts right how many of you know that words have meaning and power behind them? And when they come out, you can't always pull them back in, right? There was one time in church, an older lady came over to me and said, Pastor, during the closing prayer, Pastor, um, see over there, there's a family over there. They take up the whole row and they're new. I haven't seen them before. Would you come over? Let's go meet them. Let's go welcome them to church. Yes, that's a great idea. So we go over and this older lady says, hi, how are you? Oh, good to see you. This is our pastor. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming to church. It's great. We love it here. Wow, so many kids. Are they all yours? And the mom says, yeah, they are. The father's like, I know, they're all ours. And then the lady next to me patted the lady's belly and said, and one in the oven. Wow. And time stood still. (laughs) And I realized in that moment, "Mm, there isn't one in the oven, is there? And and she kept rubbing. And I wanted it to stop so bad. And there was nowhere to go. And her husband saved the day and said, oh no." (laughs) no. He patted his wife's belly and said, that's just left over from The last one, Uh, and I looked around and saw the tallest to the youngest, and the youngest was six. (laughs) Her words have power and they have meaning. She didn't mean to call this lady fat, but she did! right in church, right in front of me. In my words, I wanted them to have a lot of meaning, so I started to pray out loud. Oh God, make me a bird, I want to fly far, far away. Oh God, make me a bird, I just want to fly far, far away. (sighs) Fellas, if you're wondering if somebody's pregnant, keep it to yourself, it's none of your business! That's just from one pastor to a flock. I love you too much to make this mistake. Our words, they mean something when we say them, and you can't always pull them back. When Jesus called out to Abba, Father, when he, when he said, oh, you want to learn how to pray? Let me show you. Our Father, those words, they mean something. There's a... Uh, there's some verses that I want you to hear and these words they mean something Psalm 103:13 The Lord is a father to the children tender and compassionate to those who fear him 2 Corinthians 6:18 And I will be a father to you says the Lord Almighty and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord our God Romans 8, 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful servant. Oh, please, Lord, I'll just serve you, but please, Master, just I'll stay in the Master's. I, you, won't even, you won't even notice me. I'll be in the servant's quarters. No, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. And you are welcomed into the royal family of God. And now you get to call him Abba. Father, the punk teen who forgot his sunscreen, he said, oh, Stretch, can I call you daddy? No, I'm not your daddy. But my daughter, oh, she gets, she gets access. She gets VIP access, and Jesus is bringing us in, in Matthew, when he says, pray like this, our Father. You're sitting at home right now. If you're you're on the move. If you're you're listening while you're exercising, why don't you just take a moment to just look up to the sky and remember that our Father is vast and big and awesome and sovereign, and He's bigger than our circumstances. He's way bigger, bigger than our news or 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 the scroll underneath CNN or or the scandal of the day. He's bigger, and He is so intimate with you that you can call him daddy. He's over it all, but he's pulled you in and says, I'll give you access. Jesus, at the end of Matthew, says, I'm going to return to the Father, but don't worry. Everything the Father has, he gave to me, and now I'm giving it to you. You now have access to the Father. Jesus almost steps out of the way and just joins our hands with the Father and says, now we're just joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus comes around side us and goes, we're his kids, empowered by the Spirit. We're going to work to the Father and just carry us across to the finish line. And we get to live in the royalty that is being a son and daughter of our heavenly Father. Don't forget that. Don't get it twisted. When we mess up those, those words and we think of him as vague or, or any of those things, it, it, it's, it's a place the enemy wants to mess with you because you know we can get this muddled. I know that there's a few of you in this room who hear the word father and daddy and immediately go, Oh uh, nah, mm, I'm all right, thank you. An absentee father, an abusive father, a a, a cut off emotionally and just a distant father. That muddles and taints and pollutes the words father and daddy. Here's what I don't want you to do though. Just because there was a man who couldn't take care of his responsibilities That has nothing to do with the eternal father who knows that he created you, gifted you, encouraged you, made you for a purpose, has now given you his inheritance right over, has made access to everything. That is not this. But we do this, right? Some of you have done this. Watch. You're going to come up with a baby name. And you say to your wife, you know what? Joseph is a good name. And she goes, Oh no, Joseph is a terrible name. In second grade, I had a boy named Joseph and he would pull my hair and he spit when he talked. He was gross. Joseph is the worst name. And the husband goes, sweetheart, you're 42. (laughs) When you were seven, you met some knucklehead named Joseph. And that name for the next 30 years is polluted and tainted? it." that's a bad name now because of that idiot? I say don't give anybody that much control. Don't give anybody that much power to only relate it to one thing. My heart breaks for those who didn't have and still are in the midst of not having a father who was bold enough or strong enough or or even just capable of taking and handling his responsibilities. Fathers, fathers, I'm in it with you. We are broken and we are flawed. How many times have you cried out to God and said, why'd you make me so weak? You crafted me. Well, I, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. And I don't get around to doing the things I want to do. And we're, and we're broken over it. And God says, let me show you grace. Let me show you mercy. But I love you too much to keep you here. Let me also show you how to move forward and mature. For those of you who haven't had an earthly dad that was amazing, just understand that you now have access to the ultimate father who only has perfect and pure intentions for you. And he will care for you and provide for you and love you. He will stick closer than any father on earth could ever do. Man, I want you to be careful, because if you were raised by a good dad, the enemy's going to say, oh, well, then this is a cinch. This is easy for you. You'll be a good dad then. You were coached by, by the best. Let me, let me be very clear. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing just happens. Fellas, we can't just flick on a switch and be like, oh, there's my integrity. There's my character. Look at that. no you got to work at this. And it's awesome that you had an amazing role model, but you better have taken notes. And you better study the notes, and then you better wake up in the morning and fall to your knees and say, God, this is who I want to be as a father. I used to come home from work sometimes, and I'd get my keys out, start putting it in the door to come home around five or six dinner time, and then I'd stop often because I could hear what was going on in there. Two girls, happy, singing, playing. And I'd stop and go, okay, let me just do a review. Because my four-year-old doesn't care how stressful my day was. And my six-year-old could care less that I'd actually just rather watch Sports Center right about now. So, God, let me be your kind of daddy. Film me and refresh me. And I got I want to laser focus. And I open up and up, oh, there's a tea party happening. Good thing I got prepared. Hey, Daddy, let's, um, let's, pull out the, let's play Pretty Pretty Princess. Yes, I'm great at Pretty Pretty Princess. I used to win all the time. But I, that didn't happen by accident. I had pastors, coaches, the Word of God, youth ministers, uh, grandparents who were trying to show me this. Because I, myself, would have just rather gone in, get a cold drink, sit in a chair, rock back, turn on ESPN, and I'm good. But I signed up for a different role. But you know what else doesn't happen just automatically? If you were raised by no dad, or an abusive dad, or an apathetic dad, you know what that doesn't mean for you? That you're going to do the same thing. By the grace of God, that chain can be broken easy, easy. It's already been done right here. It's just been done. He went like this, bam, 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 broken chain, broken. You you now have access to the Holy Spirit. You now have access to life's instruction manual. You can be the dad you never had. And it doesn't have to come from instinct. No, it'll come from your new nature. The old can become new. You can relearn things, but you're going to have to approach all of this with very childlike faith. Hey, Lord, what's it saying in here? All right, lead my wife like that, then I'll do it that way. Wait, should I, how do I order my steps? Uh, we, We haven't really done our family your way. Oh, turn the page. I can get forgiven, and here are the instructions on how to do it. I'll take that next step, and all of a sudden, you'll see your kids and your wife, first of all, falling back in love with you but more so falling in step with you and you're moving forward in positive, healthy, functional. And it, it feels weird at first, but then you, then you get the hang of this. And then you start, you, you start feeling some, and you go, hey, Aaron, hey, my man, come with me. I need some help with this. Now all of a sudden, brothers helping other brothers. Solid, holding them up. "Y'all want to take that step forward too. Nobody coached me. Oh, somebody coached me. I'll show you how. This is what I started doing. This is how I started praying. This is how I started leading. And then the men's group, I'll tell you what, let me just get real honest. If a church ever wants to seriously change your neighborhood and your city, you want to have a revival in the city? <laughs> There's lots of ways to get there. But if the men decided to pray, if the men decided to say, I'm going to take up the mantle that you've given me, Lord. We're gonna to get together. Because the enemy's all about isolation, right? That's how sexual sin happens. That's how just don't tell, don't talk, don't ask. Just you're on yourself, you're on by yourself. If the men so start sitting around going, let's read this together, let's challenge each other, let's ask hard questions of each other, let's push each other, look like iron sharpened iron. Communities change, dude. I'm not kidding you. Schools, governments, they change. Ladies, now, you already know the power that you have. You also, ladies, you already know what it is to stick around. You have the staying power. Your mother's instincts, they kick in. Fellas, I I don't know about you, but we've been disabled by the sin enemy. And when the going gets rough sometimes, we bounce. And I get it. Man, if another brother comes alongside and picks you up on one side, and another brother comes and says, I'll get you on that other side. And then we start walking in lockstep together, praying and confessing and being honest and real and not judging each other. But once in a while, stopping and celebrating, going, look how far we've come, yo. That is where the magic happens. This mysterious word starts to become real and alive. Fellas, if you are doing this walk with God by yourself you're doing it wrong. Those connect groups, those prayer times on Wednesday, imagine if on Wednesday there were a 100 men just standing right here holding hands saying, for an hour, we're just gonna pray to God. What could happen in New Bedford, let alone in your marriage or at your job? Just imagine your actions and your words, they, they mean something. And what I dig about God is he's not sitting there just judging all the time. Oh, I knew you'd never be a good dad. I knew you weren't going to do it. No, no, no. He's all the time encouraging you. Come on, come on. When you fall down, he's got you. And he's like, come on, let's, let's go again. When you turn around and start going the other way, he seeks you. He keeps knocking. He keeps coming. And you turn around and boom, he's already there. You decide, I'm going to take one step in his direction. James 4, verse 8. You will find, draw near to me, and you will find I'm already drawing near to you. Any time I step away from God, but then I decide, oh, maybe I should make a turn back, I literally, bam, bump into him. Like he, boom, right there. I thought I had run and I was lost, and I'm going to have to make the long trek back, and I'm like, oh, you know what? i got to cry out to God. Bam, here he is, and boom, an embrace. It's amazing. It's the greatest gift of all is God's forgiveness and his grace and his mercy, and he just is stubborn, daddies, you get this, right? If you were there in the maternity ward, my midwife, she looked at me, she said, the baby's coming. I said, I know, I can see this. I'm freaking out. I went to health class, but it didn't look like this as much. This is real life. She said, well, daddy, there's the head. I said, I know. Looks like a We'll go, small watermelon, but it's slimy here. She said, well, what are you doing? I go, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. She says, catch your baby. I said, that's what we're paying you to do. I don't have a degree. You're a man, you do this. She goes, daddy, catch your baby. And all of a sudden, my hands are down and bang. And I'm not, I'm not one for like mystical, magical I was changed. In a moment, I was changed. And I'm telling you, I would have run through a brick wall for this slimy watermelon looking thing. <laughs> Didn't have a name. I saw where it came from, including night, maybe I, uh, I don't know, <laughs> and I was changed. I didn't ask for it, I didn't study, I didn't get great advice from other people, like how should I prepare? It just happened, and that's the one thing in my life that did just happen. I caught my daughter, and I was a daddy, and it changed everything, and I was in love. I couldn't have even imagined a conversation where where she would have said like, yeah, I just don't want to be in a relationship anymore, that I would not have been like, oh, okay, and as she walked out, I would have been right behind her. I know you don't want me around, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going where you're going. And if she were to turn around and go, I don't know why I treated my dad like that, I'm going back. Bam, she'd run right into me, and I'd go, Ah, oh, I've missed you. Well, how'd you miss me? You were here all the time. You're doing right, I'm your daddy. And then we'd start moving again, back into function and health again. This is what Jesus is showing us about as God Jesus is the Son. The Bible's very clear and Jesus is very clear because he didn't say, oh, you guys want to pray? All right, pray it like this. My father. Mm -mm. He said, you want to pray? Our father. And all the Jewish people went, really? We're like that? He loves me like that? We get some other things muddled when we think of God more like a uh, overindulgent grandfather. Anybody have any uh, friends that have children that you would put in the category of spoiled? Have you seen this? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, he knows lots of people, man. He's like, I think they're my kids. I don't know what's going on, man. You know what we used to call that, right? It's, like, it's really mean when I say it out loud. We used to call those kids spoiled, rotten. How you call a little kid rotten then you hang out with them for five minutes and you're like, dude, you are rotten. You know, because they just, they, I want that, I want that, I want that. Uh, okay, and the parents are like, yes, yes, oh, yeah, okay, 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 yeah, okay. Oh, you want that? Oh, give me that. They stop for a minute. No, I don't want that. Ah, hey, okay, 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 yeah, okay, okay. That's a rotten kid to hang out with, isn't it? They make rotten friends, rotten employees, rotten neighbors but we sometimes want God the Father to be that indulgent with us. Oh God, I I need. But I didn't get. And then you don't show up to church or worship for four weeks. Somebody says, hey, where you been? I don't know, I asked God for some things, but he he didn't give it to me. And the inner four-year-old spiritual side of you just goes, eh. And then we forget the fact that we didn't even stop to think that maybe God was saying, wait, that's all you want? I wanted to give you so much more. You know what, I'm going to hold off on this because I got a way better thing over here. And somehow he didn't seem... He just didn't feel the pressure to have to shoot me the email, me being spiritually four years old, to explain the whole thing. Hey, don't worry, I got you, and I got some good things. Just hang in there and be patient. But the Bible says over and over again, persevere. Persevere, keep praying, keep knocking, keep asking. How many prayers should start like this? Hey, God, this is what I want. This is what I think I need. But I would love you to add this to your prayer. But I may be wrong. See, because I trust you way more than I can trust me. Your vision's so big, you hold the future in your hands. I'm just seeing today. I just need a skittle. If you would just give me a skittle, that'd be great. I get a skittle, I go, hey, let's go, hey. I get my phone out, I'm like, let's go. But God may be saying, as He places a skittle in your hand, I wanted you to taste the rainbow of fruit flavors over here, and the dump, the raining of Skittles was over here. So just be aware that in our relationship, he's daddy, we're the kids. And when a kid tries to run the family, that family squarely falls in the category of dysfunctional. Children are not supposed to be in leadership of family. Fathers and mothers are supposed to be doing that, getting on the same page, rooted in the Word, and leading your kids into health and function in life. <laughs> Fathers, I'm praying for you that, that the one that, that you had these kids with, that you would really start to reconcile, get on the same page, move further in there. Uh, my wife and I, we've been, we've been realizing that we don't pray together enough, I'm a pastor, how do I not pray enough? I mean, I feel like I'm praying all the time, but it just sometimes feels awkward for us. Hey, dude, you want to pray? Let's turn off Netflix and let's pray for a little bit. But we're just going to push through the awkward and we're just going to keep doing it to stay on the same page. You know what happens? I mean, try this with a friend that you have a problem with. You just, man, I just rub me the wrong way. Invite them to pray together. I'm telling you, something divine starts to happen. You regularly pray with somebody you're not sure you're getting along with. And the Holy Spirit will start moving you into reconciliation and love. Start breaking down certain walls. All of a sudden, you can't remember some of the grievances and why you were mad at this person. But you're now on the same page. Husbands, do this with your wives. I'm with you. I'm in it with you. And I, I know the struggle. It's hard. I, it just feels corny or awkward. Hey, honey, did you want to pray? But there's no other way, what Aaron say? Prayer is the bedrock, it's the basis. I'll tell you what, I haven't seen too many Christian families where mom and dad are praying regularly together where their kids aren't thriving. They're just thriving. They know they're safe and they're, they're together. There's, um, there's this thing about our God and him being our father that he just simply said, I'll do whatever it takes to get you to where we want you to go. I'll lay down my life for you because your life matters. I'm your father, and I love you. I met a father like that years ago back in Boston. His name was Dick Hoyt, and he had a son, Rick Hoyt. Now, Rick is about my age, and he's got severe cerebral palsy. His mind works flawlessly. His body does not cooperate. His lips, he can't, he can't speak. He can't make his tongue and his lips form words. He's thinking them all. He just can't get them out. And one day, some technology breakthrough happened, and, and they could equip his wheelchair with a computer that he could tap with his forehead and tap with his knee, and he could type out what he wanted to say, and then the automated voice would say it out loud, and I just, I wanted to see this, and I knew that they were, they were at a book signing somewhere, so I wanted to spend some time, and I emailed ahead, and said, you know, I'm a pastor over here, I'd really like to spend a moment, and they said, sure, why don't you come by? So I meet Rick, and he says, boom, tap, 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 and I hear this automated voice, he goes, what is your name? And I go, oh, my name's Stretch. And he said, "Tap tap tap tap." you have a funny name. I said, I know, I know. It's a long story. It was 1977. I was short. My friends were tall. They thought it was funny. I, I don't know. I'm 50 now. It's weird. But Rick, that's a strong name. He said, tem, tem, tem. it rhymes with my father's name. Rick. And Dick. And for the next 20 minutes, anything I asked of Rick, anything Rick had to share or say, it somehow referenced his father. His father had become his, his identity. His father had become his best friend. And Almost everything about him, it just somehow the conversation went back to, I learned this from my dad. That's a funny joke. My dad would like that. His whole world was his dad. And so I asked Dick, you know, how did you start really connecting? He said, well, one day, one day when Rick was in high school, he saw his school putting together a charity five-mile run, and Rick said through his computer, Dad, I want to do that. Dick looked at me and says, my first thought was, yeah, Right. He said, this porker, that's what he's a self-described porker. He said, I was so out of shape, so overweight. He says, I didn't want to get in my car and drive a mile, let alone run five miles. But Rick really wanted to do it. And so I'm going to push him five miles. And he did. He goes, you overstretched. Then I became handicapped for the next two weeks. I couldn't function. I was so sore and broken I was, I I had no business doing this. And that day changed for the family because after the race, Rick looked at Dick and said, when we were running, it felt like I wasn't disabled anymore. And the daddy said, I'm in. We're going to, We're going to get you that feeling as often and as prolonged as we possibly can. And he started running and getting in shape. He bought a treadmill and just started getting in shape. They decided, because that sentence changed the father's life, he became obsessed with giving his child that feeling as often as he could. He got into such great shape in a few years that they entered the Boston Marathon, but they wouldn't let him in. They only have a few categories. They weren't a single runner. They weren't just a wheelchair category, and so they they rejected them. And so, they snuck in. Apparently, when like thirty thousand people are running a race, you blend. So, quarter mile past the starting line, they were waiting, and when the whole crowd jumped, they just merged in. And for three years, they had to sneak into the Boston Marathon and finished it, all three. And then the Boston Marathon noticed, and they got creative and created a Hoyt division. He liked the feeling, Daddy, so much for providing for his kid like this that he said, I want you to experience the greatest race in the world, the Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii. So Dick put his boy in a raft and put the raft rope around his neck and his shoulders, and he swam two and a half miles in the choppy, cold ocean water. And then he took his boy out of the raft and strapped him to the front seat on this bicycle built for him and the heavy load that he had and strapped him all in. And then he biked for 112 miles through the volcanoes, the hills and the mountains of Hawaii. Then at 8 p.m. that night, when the runners had already finished, he began the run put his boy in his special handicap and there, gave him some drink, and then ran, 26.2 miles through the volcanoes of Hawaii. And he finished the Iron Man with his son in 16 hours and 18 minutes, straight, with his son going across the finish line, because he wanted his boy to see what a daddy's love looked like it's a picture of god saying to everyone here i want to be your father and love you i want to give you the freedom and break some of the chains and i want to i want to i want to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you and now i, I want you to thrive i want you to feel not disabled by sin any longer i want to be the father that perhaps you've never had I want you to know how much I love you and how far I'll go to set an example for you. And then you can follow in my son's footsteps. I want to carry you across the finish line. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.